Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 13 of Music is Not a Genre. Thank you, as always, for listening and watching. Please support this podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Now's a great time to get in because, uh, as I will discuss later, I'm releasing something this week that only patrons will get. You can also support at anchor.fm slash music is not a genre. Public Hub is youtube.com slash at music is not a genre. And my website is nickdomadio.com where you can hear and see many, many things other than this. And as always, uh, most important thing for me, please listen to and support my band Rec at recarea.bandcamp.com. You will hear that again later as well. For those of you watching, you can see the new Rec logo shirt that I have. Uh, so let's get to this week's topic. It's it's a timely topic for a reason, and the title is "Covers Albums, Not Your Mom's Oldies Tunes." So if you've been uh, a fan here, a listener of music is not a genre for a while, you may have heard me mention quite often cover tunes. I did a covers versus originals challenge episode last season that's not what this is uh of course but even in that case i did talk about my philosophy about cover tunes and obviously this is my opinion you know and i will actually go into how uh biased uh, opinions are about covers in general but i think it's still worth stating and that is that to me if a song that you think is worthy of covering is already a wonderful song done wonderfully. There really is no artistic reason to recreate it whole cloth. Unless, again, you're going to do kind of like, and I think I mentioned this before too, uh, when Vince Vaughn was in Psycho and they recreated it shot for shot, right? That was sort of an artistic statement to make. And I'll kind of get into you know Weezer's album a little bit later and what they did there, you know. But to me, that's more, let's say, you are working uh, for a music supervisor for a film. And they say, we really want to use this song, but we can't get the rights to it. Can you do a cover of it and make it sound like the original? Or it can be for a commercial even, something like that. That's not uh, so much an artistic decision as it is kind of a business decision. But to me, I'm talking about if you're an artist who just chooses to do a cover song. 
I don't see a reason to recreate the sound and feel and try to get it exactly like what you heard because that song already exists and it's already wonderful. So why not take that song and do something different with it? If there's some way to make it your own while still honoring the original, that's what you should do. And I, again, I've said this before, and I'm going to get into it more piece by piece as I go through this podcast, so I won't belabor it, but I think it's worth stating at the outright. Now, let me talk about what this episode, uh, why this episode is existing right now and what it will not include. So I'm going to be talking about a couple of covers albums in my collection. For those of you who are just listening and not watching, you will see on top of the custom speaker here, three albums. Two of those are from my collection. This third one is brand new. We're talk, we'll talk about all of them. And that's the reason why this episode exists, which is I am putting out, uh, as of the debut of this episode, it would be uh, on a Thursday the 15th, I believe, December 15th, 2022. The day after that on Bandcamp, recarea.bandcamp.com, I will be releasing the final album of the year, only on Bandcamp. It'll show up elsewhere at the beginning of next year. And it is a compilation of covers that I have done in the past under various names, including Rec and The Drop, as well as some songs, original songs created primarily for movies and other projects, uh, you know, video-based projects. So those are the originals. But my idea there is this is all someone else's ideas, you know, Somebody say, oh, I need a song for this scene. Uh, I'll do a cover of this or I'll create this original because that director or that writer needed something there. And so that album is called It Wasn't Me. And I will be talking more in depth about it. Oh, okay. Like some people say, this is not uh, rehearsed. That's the cover. It Wasn't Me. That's it. There's nothing on the inside because I don't print CDs anymore. Give me one second, everyone. Well, I pick up the trash that I just dropped, and and here we go. So, these albums, which I'm now just going to stack, because that just wasn't fun, are what I'll be talking about. And the first one is If I Were a Carpenter, released in 1994, uh, various artists covering songs by the Carpenters. And the second one is Schoolhouse Rocks, Schoolhouse Rock Rocks. From 1996, again, various artists. And the choice of artists covering these songs is very reflective of the time that these uh, albums were released. I'll be talking about other albums as well, but those were the jumping off points. And so that's basically what this you know, episode is about. Now, here's what it's not about. Because I did an episode already on the you know covers versus originals challenge, it's not going to be about single song releases or even if uh someone uh, artist released an album and there was one cover song on there it's not going to be about that it's going to be about the idea of covers albums on the whole uh so for example a song uh, on my new compilation it wasn't me uh, it's, it's the theme song to aqua teen hunger force that uh, my band rec covered on our parts and labor album it was the only cover on that album so the parts and labor would not qualify as as a reason to be discussed here in this episode. This will also not be 
a comprehensive discussion of covers albums because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of those of all kinds. And it would be impossible to definitively say, well, here are the best covers albums. Here are the, you know, uh, covers albums worthy of discussing here. So this is arbitrary. And I think that that is appropriate because I believe that a person's opinion of what, again, makes a good cover song or cover album is also arbitrary. You know, I'm sure it's based in re- the reasoning that they have an emotion and all and the same same with mine. But my choices are as arbitrary as my as my opinions, I guess I'm saying. A perfect example is this. When I was doing some research for this episode, I read a blog from last year, 2021, by a, a guy who I, I'm not sure what his blog is about in general. I assume music and I assume not covers because he made a point of saying, I'm going to throw this out here because people have asked me to talk about it. And I thought that the blog was comprehensive and thoughtful, you know, the the list, the description, the reasoning, and I disagreed with almost all of his choices as far as what makes it great. Now, that said, there were many I hadn't heard, but I maybe heard a song or two from there, or I understood the concept of what that album represents, and in my mind, I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't qualify for me. Now, that doesn't make him wrong, and it doesn't make me right, or vice versa. But it just shows how biased, how arbitrary, you know, our our reasoning and logic and decision making process is when it comes to this. I think uh, even more so with covers than with uh, original music, because that's that's just more a matter of taste. But when you are absorbing a covers album of songs that you knew already existed and maybe already liked or maybe didn't like in their original form but wanted this particular artist to do this, you're, you're bringing in a tremendous amount of history and uh, feeling and opinion and all of that. I also disagreed with the guy's criteria. It was so strict. And look, you have to do that. I do that, right? But I don't think that uh, I'm not looking here to say what makes a covers album a covers album or not a covers album, whatever. Um, if there's some original material on a covers album, like there is on It Wasn't Me, coming out tomorrow, excuse me, then that's fine. But it has to be, of course, largely covers. The other thing this uh, episode won't be about, uh, uh, well... I'll say this, and it's the season, Christmas. It won't be about Christmas albums. The majority of Christmas albums, the the majority are covers. I think the only other genre where that occurs regularly is probably jazz, and I'll get into that in a second, especially jazz standards. But I think even more so with Christmas. Uh, I know that even... Some of my favorite Christmas albums, like Harry Connick's first Christmas album, that has originals on there as well. And and sometimes those originals stand up to the covers in the way that Beatles originals stood up to the covers that they, you know, did early on in their career. Think of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. I mean, that's a standard now. I don't 
quite know what else was on that album, but I have to imagine a lot of it were, you know, covers, were uh, older Christmas songs. And yet that one stands up against any of the older Christmas songs and is even better than some. So that's, you know, okay, there are originals on there, but it would take too long and be a completely different episode to talk about Christmas music in general and particular covers because they do qualify as covers albums to me, but in a slightly different way. The other thing I'm not going to get too much into, but I do want to discuss, this is sort of like halfway getting into it, not getting into it, Again, or as I mentioned, standards albums. I am probably more opinionated about standards albums than about any other kind of covers album in existence. What I mean is, these are again classic songs written by masterful songwriting teams, usually sometimes one person, but just from the uh, classic era of songwriting in, in America in particular, but even in other parts of the world, uh, 20s through the 50s, let's say, with some, you know, caveats there, of course, you know, the, the jazz standards, you know, American songbook, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was a Tin Pan Alley, all of that stuff. I find that people who do covers of those songs try so hard to adhere to either the original feel and arrangement of the song or to the the vocal delivery that it sucks the life out of them. If Especially these songs, because they're so much older. They've been done so often. If you're not doing something new, something new, just anything new, then don't do them. And I'm going to name check some, you know, I, 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 I don't want to harp on this because I respect, uh, you know, Rod Stewart. I, there's actually uh, on It Wasn't Me, there's a cover of a song he co-wrote. But I recall listening to some of the Standards album that he released a while back and thinking, oh man, he's done so many kinds of music. He could have brought that kind of bluesy rock into it. He could have brought that more late 70s sound that he had or even the pop sound of the 80s. But he he stuck to the standards. And even though his voice is unique, I don't think that it was enough to have that rise to the top except for, you know, diehard fans of Rod Stewart, who I'm sure loved it and rightfully so. But that's, again, that's my opinion. I find, uh, you know, Diana Krall, she is a stylist. I don't know her that well. I know she's married to Elvis Costello. I I find her to be incredibly talented and an amazing piano player. I think think vocally uh, she rides a lot on her sound. And if that's, you know, that's her thing, the way Nora Jones does, that's fine. I understand that. It's not my taste. I think she's incredibly talented and could probably do a tremendous amount more with that voice than she actually does. Uh, You talk about somebody like Michael Buble, who's a huge success, and it's a similar thing. I actually really enjoy the sound of his voice. But he's, he's, to me, a nostalgia performer. You know, he's not really taking it, doing anything new with those songs. Now, that's not his intention. You know, it's not that he's failing at that. He's succeeding at what he's chosen to do. It's just, again, not my taste. And 
I'll give you two examples of standards covers albums that to me, you know, rise to the top. And again, very arbitrary. There might be 10 others that I like even more than these that I've never heard. But I'm going to give you these because they're great examples. And one is, uh, I believe, early 90s. The the organization that did like charity albums, and they did a, a whole series of them. They released Red Hot and Blue. And those were all uh, standards. And the, the Pogues were on there, and U2 was on there. And just think of a, a lot of the 80s stars, basically. They were on all on that album. I, uh, I actually have the cassette somewhere. I couldn't find it for this. But just look up Red Hot and Blue album. Uh, every single song on there, with maybe an exception or two, was done so differently from the original that it was compelling. And it puts these songs in a new context. It puts it in the context of current, you know, state of music, which to me is sort of the, you know, essence of what I say about what I like about covers, which is if you're going to do a cover, do the cover as it would exist now, whatever that means to you. That can mean a thousand different things. But, you know, don't do the cover as it might have existed when it was created. Why bother? It's already been done. It's been done, you know, probably better than you can do it. And if not, then more power to you. But that's what Red Hot and Blue did. It just, it took a perfect example. U2's Night and Day is a haunting version of that song. And the way they use that kind of driving beat and absolutely still maintain the essence and spirit of the original, but they turn it into something brand new. And I think that's one of the secret powers of U2, as my band is getting ready for one of our many Christmas concerts, and we're doing uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. We're doing the Ramones version of that, or Johnny Ramone, or whatever. But my favorite version of that song is actually U2's version and how, you know, Bono soars at the end. And I always thought that that vocal lick was part of the original. It's not. That was invented by Bono. And again, they kept the spirit of the original, but they made it into something new. Another album that I think does that with standards that really surprised me, honestly, uh, which I don't know why it would, considering I'm a fan of this artist. I just did a podcast recently on him, which is James Taylor. When I listened, to, when I did the chronography for James Taylor, there's an entire album, maybe uh, of standards. There might be more than that. Well, I know he did a couple of covers albums, but this in particular, I'll stick with the standards. I expected it to be, well, here is uh, a sweet, soulful guy. So let's just lean into the whole standards arrangement thing and it's going to be easy and do that. But it is fully James Taylor. It is just, it's 100% James Taylor. I'm not saying every song on there, you know, hits me in the gut. But there were a couple where the way he sang those songs, it brought out the lyrical content and connected it to the present day. You know, the struggles of people, the struggles of money, you know, the various things that were written in the Depression. And he ran the range for more than that. But he's always been an activist and things. And I think that that was part of his intention was to bring out the quality and the meaning in those lyrics even more so. And because his arrangements were so stripped and were so James Taylory, you didn't get lost in the beauty 
It's like when you are reciting a poem, you know, out loud for an audience. If you stick to the exact meter of the poem and stop at the end of each line and all of that, you will get so lost and your audience will get so lost in the rhythm and the musical quality of the words that you'll start to forget, well, what's that meaning? That's happened a lot. It used to happen a lot when I would read Shakespeare. I would just get so caught up in the pentameter and, you know, just really the rhythm of it all and and the musicality of it all that I would miss what the words were saying. And you have to kind of condition yourself to get beyond that. And I think that's probably the major problem with a lot of people who do standards, which is you get caught so caught up in the musicality of what you're doing that you're not really feeling what you're singing. And I think that this James Taylor album is a perfect example of someone feeling what they're singing and creating something new out of it. So let me get to this first album here that I knocked down and smashed the case of. But here, I'll still show it. Carpenters, If I Were a Carpenter, released in 1994. So you can just imagine the artists that were on this. This, unfortunately, was a slight victim of the flood. So I was going to show you this great fold-out here with Karen Carpenter's face all over it, but look at how the paper's peeling, right? This is this would be like a super hilarious like fail of a box opening video where you rip the box to shreds and then whatever's inside is destroyed as well. That's kind of what's happening here. But... I, uh, you know, got this CD when it came out back in 1994, and I'm going to pop my, my, my X-ray specs on here and, deli- and look at this uh, list of artists doing these songs. Uh, American Music Club, Shonen Knife, Sonic Youth, The Cranberries, Betty Servier, Dishwalla, Cheryl Crow, John Napolitano with Mark Moreland, Red Cross, Babes in Toyland. Cracker, Matthew Sweet, Four Non Blondes, Grantley Buffalo. So many of those artists defined uh, either, you know, mid to late 80s or 90s alt music. It makes sense that they're on here, but it also kind of gave them an end to these songs to where they weren't trying to, re- for the most part, recreate the original. I have so many favorites here. I don't remember what Dishwalla's big hit was. But I think their version of it's going to take some time is it, it kills and they make it into something different. I mean, the Cranberries, They Long to Be Close to You is such a great fit and they don't need to do much with it to make it happen. Sonic Youth Superstar is haunting in a great way. I think the top track on here is Shonen Knife's Top of the World. I love Shonen Knife, Japanese all-female rock band been around since the 80s. You should look into them. I wish their stuff was more extant than it is. My favorite album of theirs isn't even on Spotify, but you can find it elsewhere. But start with Shon- the top of the world, Shonen Knife Top of the World, and listen to it. It will get you out of your seat. It just has such amazing energy. Uh, I thought Red Cross's Yesterday Once More was really cool. Babes in Toyland, Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft, is an interesting one to me because, hey, they did a great job of it. I think that one's better than the original in some ways. But turns out that wasn't an original either because the Carpenters were covering a song by Klaatu. That is a Klaatu song. I mentioned Klaatu before. Look them up. K-L-A-A-T-U. And that's actually a really cool... Rainy, uh, I like Cracker. The Rain Days and Mondays was okay. Matthew Sweet, Let Me Be the One. It's such a perfect, uh, you know, 
combination there of artist and song. And I'm a big Matthew Sweet fan, as you probably know. Four Non Blondes, Best of the Beast and the Children was pretty cool. Um, and those are probably, and American Music Goodbye to Love is a great way to start this album. So just really, really good tracks. And the thing you'll find is, yes, there are in many ways very 90s, right? But that's the point. That's the point I'm making, which is these songs existed in the 70s for the, I think, almost all of them, if not all of them. Don't recreate the 70s sound with a cover from the 70s. You know, it might be cool to take a song from the 40s and make it sound like it came from the 70s. That's doing something different. But just go listen to the Carpenters version if that's what you want. And none of them did that. They, and, and like, I like the original Top of the World, but no, you know, the, the uh, and Knife version, to me, just takes it into a different stratosphere as far as I'm concerned. Which brings me to... This next album, 1996's Schoolhouse Rock Rocks. If you're old enough to have remembered what it was like to watch Schoolhouse Rock, then when this came out in 96, and I'm showing you some of the things here, kind of cool uh, illustrations that all the uh, all of the artists are animated forms, cartoon versions, Ween, and you will you would have flipped rightfully over this album partly because you would remember most of these songs from the original schoolhouse rock and partly because they picked great artists to do the covers and those artists did interesting and fun and often amazing things with the covers so uh here's again a list of artists here uh bob duro and friends oh well that's the original guy from schoolhouse rock uh, Deluxe Folk Implosion, Blind Melon, Better Than Ezra, Ezra, uh, Goodness, and I, there's some that I don't even remember, Pavement, Ween, The Lemonheads, Bismarcky, Chavez, Moby, Manor Astro Man, Wow, Buffalo Tom, Daniel Johnston, and Skilo, and I'm going to start at the bottom and say that the Skilo version of The Tale of Mr. Morton so blew me away that it influenced future music that I did. Listen to the original one. It's a, it's actually a very touching and beautiful song, even though it has to do with subject and predicate and all that. Uh, you know, which, yeah, these are all meant to teach. But Skilo's version just kicks it. It just absolutely kicks it. Uh, I think Buffalo Tom's, you know, uh, kind of punky version of Lolly Lolly Lolly, get your adverbs here is very cool. Interplanet Janet from Manor Astro Man is a trip and it's and it's right like what a great combination there. I didn't know them that well, but they did an amazing job. Uh I mean Bismarcky can't go wrong, the Energy Blues. My Hero Zero, the Lemonheads was always one of my favorite bands and they did a really nice kind of slacker version of that, which I thought was great. Uh let's see Electricity uh, Conjunction Junction and then my second favorite, if not like right up there with Skilo, is Blind Melon's version of Three is a Magic Number. It's, it's beautiful, frankly. And yet it rocks in its own way. You know, it, it, it probably happened not that long before uh, Shannon Hoon died. But yes, abs- oh my God, absolutely worth hearing. I love that song. And, and so these are the two albums here that really kicked off this, you know, uh, episode let me talk about a few others before I get to my album and the chosen song here. And that is this. Uh, 
So many people have covered the Beatles. I've heard jazz versions. I've heard uh, bluegrass and country and all of that stuff. I'm only going to talk about two here, which are these two. I am Sam and across the universe, I will confess, first of all, that I never saw I am Sam, but I heard from my brother that it was a Beatles soundtrack and like, well, I'm going to get the soundtrack. And this is 2001, so slightly different, you know, mix of artists. And they went more for kind of the laid back. They weren't going for anything too, you know, uh, rocky or out there. But their choice of songs is awesome. Two of us, Blackbird, Across the Universe, I'm Looking Through You. You've got to hide your love away. Strawberry Fields, Mother Nature's Son, Golden Slumbers, I'm Only Sleeping. Don't Let Me Down, Lucy, Julia, We Can Work It Out, Help, Nowhere Man, Revolution Led. So some of them are the big ones, but some are a little more obscure Beatles songs, which I am a fan of, and you'll see that from the album that I'll be talking about shortly. I don't remember this album as well as, as some of the other ones, but I do recall that Rufus Wainwright's Across the Universe was was beautiful. Sarah McLaughlin's Blackbird was really nice. Uh, Amy Mann and Michael Penn's Two of Us works well. Uh, I don't think it blew me away. Eddie Vedder's You've Got the Hotter, Your Love Away, great match, great match. Ben Harper doing Strawberry Fields, absolutely. Uh, Cheryl Crow's Mother Nature's Son is really nice. Ben Fold's Golden Slumbers. The Vines Only Sleeping. People don't remember The Vines that well. Great band, uh, I believe, from Australia. And uh, they were one of my faves for a couple of years. They did a really nice job of the I'm Only Sleeping. Chocolate Genius, somebody, another one a lot of people uh, might not remember. Doing Julia was very cool. And I, yeah, uh, Paul Westerberg's Nowhere Man, yeah. Oh, Granddaddy's Revolution is, I think, the one that stood out the most to me because they almost turn it into a different song. So look up Granddaddy. That's with one D in the middle. Grand, Granddaddy. Two, one word. Revolution. Look it up. It's an awesome version of that song. But then in 2007 comes this across the universe. Now, I don't have the CD. I have the DVD. So I don't recall the full... Uh, track listing, and there's too much to talk about here to get into it in too much detail. But I will say that if I had to choose between the two, it's a tough call because I am Sam and Across the Universe were trying to achieve different things with covering Beatles. But I'd probably give a little lean towards Across the Universe, only partly because in our band, in the Beatles cover band, Prefab 4, we are doing the version of, with a little help from my friends, from the movie, which is almost as good as Joe Cocker's version. Joe Cocker is in that movie. It might have been one of the last things he did. I can't remember exactly when he died. Uh, but you have such a great list of artists in there, and Elton John and you too, and, and they brought this to life. But even some of the actors brought those songs to life. There's a song that I talked about on my first uh, episode of The Beatles, that was given new life to me by its version there and across the universe. And my mind is my mind is blanking right now. Oh, hold me tight. It, that's the one. Hold me tight. Never registered with me as a longtime super fan of the Beatles for all those years. And then I heard it in Across the Universe. And I was like, ah, oh, I get that song now. I understand what they were going for. So excellent version. Uh, let me talk about a couple more. And then again, get to the last thing. 
And I'll go in reverse chronological order, because why not? Uh, A Pandemic Baby, Green Day's album, No Fun Mondays. I think they were releasing like a cover song a week, and they compiled it into this. I really enjoyed that album. There were so many great choices there, and I'm not going to go too much into it, because I just did a Green Day episode. But really worth looking up, No Fun Mondays from 2020. Whereas Weezer's Teal album from, from the year before, 2019, is extremely hit or miss for me as... Weezer tends to be for me. I find a lot of what they do to be a little arch, a little too manicured. Uh, And for this case, to me, the most interesting covers on this were the ones where they didn't try to recreate the original so much. I mean, I think Africa and Take On Me were great novelties. And the Take On Me video is very cool and fun. Uh, But... They, 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 after a while, it's honestly not that interesting. Go and listen to the originals because the originals are better, you know? And I thought, well, geez, Weezer, that kind of power pop band, you know, or emo or pop punk or whatever you want to call them, could have done tremendous things, you know, in a very different way, but did that kind of psycho Vince Vaughn thing where, oh, I'm just going to, you know, for the most part, recreate these songs whole cloth. And that, to me, loses, you know, after a while, the novelty wears off of that, Whereas the ones where they did different things with, I think, are more interesting. Um, Great example of doing different things, making it interesting, is this three CD collection from Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs called Under the Covers, 2006, 2009, 2013. There are so many incredibly good songs and choices there. Uh, Again, some well-known, some not as well-known. A great left-field one is... You know, their kind of acoustic version, the two vocals, you know, the two of them, of Yes's I've Seen All Good People. You would not expect that to work well in that setting, and it works incredibly well, as do a lot of the covers on those three albums, under the covers, volumes one, two, and three, Matthew Sweet and Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles. Uh, Cat Power. Funny thing, I bought Cat Power's covers album called The Covers Record in 2000 and realized from that album that I'm not or wasn't a Cat Power fan. I liked some of the kind of laid back slackery, you know, mumbly stuff that she that she did, but it was a full album of that in a way that was not captivating to me. Now, the the caveat here is apparently this year she put out another covers album. I'm probably going to listen to that, to be honest, because I want to see, is she in a different place? She's doing something different this time. Uh, or is it kind of uh, the companion to the one from 2000? I'd like to know because she's a great artist. They just happen to not like that 2000 album, but I probably listen to this one. Uh, and... Then we get to 90s again, 1994, same year as If I Were a Carpenter, Johnny Cash's American Recordings with Rick Rubin. And that was the famous one where he did the Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt, I think, and just killed it. Yes, there are originals on there. But the way he does those covers at a time when he wasn't, frankly, doing all that well, just so makes all of them his own, which you, how can you not when you're Johnny Cash? that it's a it's a beautiful record and one of the rare sparse productions of Rick Rubin's that I really like. I don't always like 
the sparseness of what Rick Rubin does. Um, sometimes it works tremendously well, like with Johnny Cash. Uh, I'm going to mention one that's mentioned on a lot of lists, and then I'm going to talk about those lists, and then we'll get to the last part of this uh, podcast episode, and that's John Lennon's Rock and Roll. As you know, huge fan of the Beatles. That was released in 1975, and I believe it was, the, was it the last one he released before taking that five-year break and starting over and all of that stuff? A double Fantasy? I believe so. And this is a perfect example of how tortured he was or self-conscious he was as an artist in that he always wanted to double track. He liked to wash his vocals in reverb. And he did so much of that here. And I like some of those songs. And there's a version or two that we've done with the band. Uh, I mean, how can I not like the album as a whole? Sure. But I actually greatly prefer his original stuff to to rock and roll. And yet, it shows up on a lot of best of lifts. I did my, you know, research, hey. And there were most of the ones that were on the list, the people, uh, pe- different, various people, actually, in various lists, the the common ones, I'll be honest, other than John Lennon's, I haven't heard them, so I can't judge. But I think they're worth mentioning because you may like these artists or have heard them or have your opinions about them or are curious about what, uh you know, the powers that be are saying are some of the best covers albums. And that would be Bowie, David Bowie's Pinups, uh, Rage Against the Machine's Renegades, John Lennon's Rock and Roll again. Uh, the Birds play Dylan 1979. I'll probably listen to that because the Birds always did amazing versions of the Dylan songs that they did. And I didn't know that they were still rocking it in 1979. So I got to check that out. Metallica's Garage Inc. Uh, we'll probably check out. Uh, Nick Cave kicking against the pricks, which I think was from the 80s. I don't know a lot about Nick Cave. Uh, and I guess I am a little curious as to what that album contains. But it is interesting to me that, hearkening back to the beginning of this episode, that so many of these albums I wouldn't have thought of or had any interest in picking up. You know, and I hope that's part of the service I provide is maybe a lot of what I just talked about you hadn't heard before, had no interest in picking up, and maybe I've sparked that interest the way these online lists did for me. You know, which brings me to, you know, hopefully another way to spark this interest, and that is my upcoming album. As of the 16th of December, on Bandcamp only. RecGary.Bandcamp.com. Links will be below, etc. And it's called It Wasn't Me. Cover songs, songs from movie music, uh, songs from movies and other projects. And uh, let me, what I'm going to do, right? because I've discussed why certain covers, what I like, whatever, is I'm just going to go track by track very quickly and give you an idea of what this album contains. So you know what you're getting. There are 20 songs spanning from 2007 to 2021. And many of them have not been previously released in any form, you know, other than maybe quietly on SoundCloud or something like that. Number one uh, opener is Lock, Load, Love, which was a film project by an old film company that I had uh, co-founded um, that I was with for a decade and I felt like it needed a theme song, so I wrote a theme song to it, Lock, Load, Love. And it has a very, there's some comedic elements to it, but it has a very kind of hair metal sound. And uh, it's credited to The Drop, featuring Ape Cafe, which is my old band from the 90s. And I did that because I thought, this is a song that sounds like Ape Cafe. 
and it's a song that I hadn't did a, done a lot of as a solo artist or as Wreck. And all of this kind of cover stuff and movie music gave me a chance to explore elements of my sound that I wouldn't have otherwise, which is why I think this is, you know, maybe the favorite uh, of the three albums that I put out this year. Number two is Beatles' Hey Bulldog uh, by The Drop, Made It Funky. Number three is New Mother Nature by The Guess Who. Uh, Not the part about No Sugar Tonight, although I I mentioned that at the end of the song. Uh, My son Colin is on this doing a super low throat voice. Uh, this is on Rex's album, uh, Syzygy for the Weird. That Aqua Teen Hunger Force theme song by Schooly D, which I mentioned. Uh, my uh, manager at the time, uh, his firm also managed Schooly D, so I got direct permission from Schooly D to cover that. John Fogarty's Centerfield did it for a different movie because I was asked to by the director. Don't love that song, so I turned it into something that uh, sounds more like Cake. And John Fogarty, if you remember the band Cake. Stay With Me, Faces, that's the Rod Stewart, Ronnie Wood song that I talked about earlier in the drop also for a film. Computers and Cognac is a song I didn't write, but it's also not a cover. It's an original by the brainchild behind Ape Cafe, Pete Bradish. I was doing a project at the time for this film I was doing a while, about a decade ago, and he called it Business of Ferrets. Fun name. Uh, and it features my vocals. It's very kind of German techno. Uh, this end up is a is a theme song again to the first feature from the film company that I was with, and it's a hip hop song, uh, an original, and really 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 fun. And there's a there's a video to it, and you can look it up. It's all too much is a Beatles song. It's the George song from Yellow Submarine. That's on Rex Synergy for the Weird. Panmala by Voltio. Again, the director asked me to do that. And that was one of those weird things where I'm like, I don't know this song that well or this style of music. It's kind of reggaeton, hip hop, like, you know, techno um, mix. Let me see how well I can do in recreating the feel of the original. So I kind of go against my own rule there, but that's mainly because I, you know, uh, I believe I was asked to, but also I. Uh, this wasn't a song that I would choose to recreate because it's just already been done well. In Your Dreams Tonight by the great 80s uh, surf punk band agent Orange Dark. And I made it even darker. And that's also on... Oh, no, that's on Syzygy for the Weird. Rex Syzygy for the Weird. I'm So Tired the Beatles was in a movie. One of my favorite, more obscure songs of theirs. I had to do a cover of that. Lovely to See You is track 14. It's the Moody Blues hit... That's the one that will be featured at the end of this podcast. It's one that hasn't seen much light. It's why I am re-releasing it and remastering it. And you will hear that at the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. My dad's song, uh, Suddenly, which by the way, I skipped the number 12, I Want to Be Lonely. I'm doing two covers of my dad's hits, I Want to Be Lonely and Suddenly. Both featured on, uh, respectively, Sympathy for the Weird and Synergy for the Weird. You'll hear those. There is an Hungarian version of my song, Whatever We Have to Do to Wake Up High, that I have never fully and officially released. Sang the song in Hungarian because I was asked by a music supervisor to source Hungarian pop and don't know any of those artists. So I created one myself and created the band named Peshalet which I've, it has to do with the town of Pech, which is uh, where my family comes from. Uh, you know, Pechi is, is my mother's last name, uh, original last name. 
do it into my house from uh, also from Lock Load Love. I won't. Dis- I will say that it is supposed to sound really sexy, sultry, like a seduction. But it's about a guy who's so tired he can't get off the couch to cook his own food and do his own dishes, and then he just falls asleep. So enjoy that journey. Another Beatles. I'll be back from Syncope for the Weird. One of my favorite recent covers that I've done, including this one, Green Typewriters, two into three, I call it, because there's a several, seven or ten Green Typewriters tracks on the Olivia Tremor, Tremor Controls, uh, Dusk of Cubist Castle. I was asked to cover this for a documentary because no no other artist was going to jump into that, and I thoroughly enjoyed covering it, and it has never been officially released until tomorrow. And then a bonus track. Move Ahead Long Boy by Anonymous. And if you join me on Patreon, you'll uh, get the explanation as to where that song comes from and why it's by Anonymous and all of that stuff. I'm not going to give you that now. You're going to have to join patreon.com slash music is not a genre to find that out. Thank you for hanging with me on this mammoth episode about covers and about my upcoming cover album, It Wasn't Me. Uh, please stay tuned for the song in a couple of seconds. Uh, let me know your opinions on all of this stuff because, as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. I will see you next week for one more episode in 2022. Take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.